0: Thank you so much for asking me to speak about uh, my Hale Um I want to begin by, by explaining to you that my grandfather was not an ordinary tzaddik. He didn't grow up in a from home. His parents were not from. His father to the best of our understanding, was not pro-Yiddishkeit, not pro his son getting involved. Uh, we asked, it's an amazing thing, we asked my grandfather, how did you make it, how did you become so, so great? See, he first, of course, he said he didn't think he was so great. He still didn't, he didn't f- figure out his shlemos. He didn't get there. But he said whatever he does have is from his mother. He said his mother would always daven for him. She said when she would tie his shoelaces in the morning, she would whisper in his ears, go be a Talmud Chacham, go learn Tyra. Now her father, who I'm named after, Bari Butzkrutz, was a Ashasid, uh, and uh, he was a big Talmud Chacham. I don't understand how she married uh, my great-grandfather, but she did. His name was Moshe, so we want to dedicate whatever his service we do have today to the memory of my grandfather Shlemer Ben Ben Moshe, and uh, to Rivko, who was his mother. Uh, Bas, I don't even know her name, her her mother's name. But um, Bas. S- what? Are when are you? Yeah, Bas, are you? So my grandfather was. I want to just share just a, a quick story to, for you to understand the power of reaching children, reaching out to children. My grandfather was walking with his father. Again, you see secular Shlomo will be walking with his father. My grandfather was six years old. And in the street, they happened to meet a, a Rav, a Frum Rav. Now my grandfather's father had many, many degrees, many college degrees. Uh, many, you know, he was a professor and he spoke many languages. I think he spoke 24 languages. He was like Mamasha, he was a big, uh, big uh, professor. And this Rov had many degrees that he had. They shared a lot of interests. Uh, he was a prolific writer. He wrote many books in German. And uh, middle of the streets in Berlin, they met. They meet the, this, this Rov. So the Rov tried to speak to the father. And the father was, you know, they were very interested. They had a nice conversation. But he took interest in my grandfather. And he invited my grandfather to come to the shul. And my grandfather. Uh, got involved in the shul a little bit. My grandfather, for his 10th birthday, asked his mother to get him a stender as a gift. And every Shabbos, he would darshan in front of the stender, with the stender. And he had two people in the audience. He had his mother and his first cousin. He only had one cousin. He was a ben yochid, ben ben yochid. but from his mother's side, he had, he had um, one cousin, the Dahilda, and they would both sit there and they would listen to his drasha Every Shabbos he would give a drasha. When he was 13 to 15 years old, he went to, he went, he convinced his parents to let him go to Frankfurt. And he was there for a couple of years in Breuers. Um, didn't make him who he was. He went from there to, uh, to Switzerland, where he learned in yeshiva in Montre. And then, it was his last Shabbos in yeshiva, I think he signed an agreement with his parents, that he was going back to Berlin to go to university. They said, well, you can go, but you have to come back and guarantee you're going to university. So uh, the last Shabbos he was there, the Rabbani Shalom sent, that there was a mirror Talmud, who was a scholar in residence of the yeshiva, and he gave a Musa Shmus, The first of my grandfather ever heard a Musa Shmus, And And all his lights turned on. And he went to, to the Rav after the drasha and he started asking him question after question after question. He was so excited and interested in what he was talking about, so he says to me, you know something, you need to go to the Mir, and you need to learn by Rabbi Rucham. Mir, Rabbi Ruchim, never heard of it. Fine, he said, I have to go to the mirror, I have to learn by Rabbi Ruchim. He decided before he leaves, he's going to write his parents a letter. His parents were at that time on a cruise to Italy, or back, coming back from Italy, I don't know if they were going to or from, but they were on a cruise. And they went, you know, there's all this entertainment on the cruise. They have, uh, one of the entertainment was a fortune teller. And they sit by the fortune teller. And the fortune teller tells them, you have a son. And when you arrive at your destination, you're going to receive a letter. And in the letter is going to be a very weird, very mudna request. Whatever he asks for, let him do it. And in that letter, he asked to go learn the mirror. When he arrived in the mirror, and my grandfather talked about how his experience was in the mirror. And he met Rabbi Ruchim for the first time, and he was like, you know, unbelievable. Obviously, Rabbi Ruchim came with such a with such a, a a a a yedidus. He greeted him. My grandfather thought, okay, just a new bach in the yeshiva, but then he realized that every bach who walked out of the bais medrash and gave him a shalom aleichem as if they were best friends. He's like, I never met these people before. But every, that he realized that he was going into a place that was it was a place of avaida. It was a place, so they asked him in the lunchroom, Nusa, how old are you? So he told them, he told them his age, I don't know, 17, 18, however old he was. So they all started laughing. They were laughing. He's like, what are they laughing? What's so funny? And so they pointed, they said, you see this guy? He's three months old. You see this one? He's two and a half years old. And he's, you had mamash, you had, had pillars of terror there. You had Leib Malin, you had, you, know, you had unbelievable people there in the mirror. And, uh, and these, they, they considered themselves children that they only were born when they came to meet Rabbi Rocham. My grandfather certainly felt that way. You know, he always, he referred to Rabbi Rocham as his Rebbe, even though he had many throughout his life. But I, I once walked into my grandfather. Uh, it's just a random day. I lived with my grandfather for many years. I once walked in, and my grandfather's mommy, he's so happy. He's like beyond normally happy. So I said, Saba, what's going on? Makore. See, he says, "I just figured out what my Rebbe meant fifty years ago in Shmos. I just figured out now. He was so happy, like he was like you know all of the. So I think that it's important to imagine if that Rabbi didn't meet that six-year-old Shlomo Albi. he would have never gone to the shul. Would have never gone to like the shpa, the the schar that this individual has probably doesn't even know what he did." But you never know the impact you can have. I think it's an amazing thing. And if you knew my grandfather, you knew anything about him, he was a no-frills person, right? He had no fanfare. He didn't have gaboim, and he didn't have handlers, and he didn't have uh, all the different uh, ephrates, and He didn't have anybody there that you had to, you know, he knocked on the door, and you came in. That was it. Now, it, I was the handler, right? I was the... I, you know, when I lived by my grandfather, so I didn't want my grandfather to get up while he's eating lunch, so I would go get the door or dinner. It's an amazing thing. People would come to ask for brachas. People ask for, so there were were certain hours. My grandmother was trying to be a little bit tougher. She was also a softy. But um, she, uh, so she would say, you have to come after 9.30 at night. 9.30 9.30 at night, and you'd have people waiting down, the, you know, all around the whole building, all around the steps, waiting to, to come in to, 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 to ask the Shalos. But someone would say, like, my son's bar mitzvah tonight. Just a little bracha. So my grandfather would come to the door, and he would stand over there, and he would say, who? Hmm? You know, what, what, what can I do for you? And he would say, arav, we want you to give a bracha, Is bar mitzvah. So my grandfather would ask the Bar Mitzvah boy, You would say, tov! what bracha do you want? Mm-hmm. So he says, to be a Talmud Chacham. He says, you want to be a Talmud Chacham? Sit and learn. No bracha is not going to help you. Go you sit and learn. You'll become a Talmud Chacham. No, 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 but we want a bracha. He says, you should have a tzacham. You know, it's like, it was, no, he, wasn't, he didn't have kunstin, he didn't have, he didn't have shtik. You know, he, he always took buses. It's an amazing thing. You'd go on a bus, and you'd see a revolver sitting on the bus with you. So, so if I was on the bus, I'd go sit next to him. If my aunt, I saw many times, my aunt, uh, we, uh, you know, was on the bus earlier and she'd, she would sit next to him and she would talk to him. But it was like, he, wasn't, he didn't go cabs, he didn't have private drivers, he didn't have, So Maisa heard from uh, Rabbi Yir Abramov. So he was very close, he's very close with this uh, big veer from South America, Ellie Horn. Ellie Horn heard about Sholem of Alban. He was like, wow, he's, he's a... No. So he came on one of his trips to, uh, to Eretz Yisrael. He wants to go meet Ravoba. So Rabbi Abramov took him in a cab, and they went to Givat Shaul. You know, right in front of Preshburg. They pulled out. They get out of the cab, and they're about to go down the down the steps to go to go to my grandfather's uh, apartment. And Rabbi Abramov looks, and he sees. He says, Rabbi, he says, Mister Horn, right over there, across the street, by the bus stop. Right over there is is Volbe. He says, what, what are you talking about? He says, come, come, come. He falls to his knees in front of my grandfather. He says, "He says I can't believe it." He says, "Someone like you, you're going on a bus. How can you go on a bus?" My grandfather didn't know what he's talking about. It's like, wh- wh- like, wh- why shouldn't I go on a bus? Mafia Thomas, like, you should have drivers. You should have a, you know, uh, you know, some some type of. He was. He it did, he didn't work like that. He was mamish. He was a. He was a simple person. So I want to. I want to focus on three, nikudas that um, were, I think, his biggest nequidness that he spoke about all the time. Number one was Musr. Uh, I want to discuss about Musa and Hasidus here, particularly in Hamish, because he always would say, Musr is Hasidus. Hasidus is Musa. It's just different packaging. It's the same thing. So it's an interesting thing. I heard from a Talmud. Uh, I believe it's Benji Jacobi from, from Toronto. He, he told me that he was by my grandfather. And he saw, my grandfather learned a lot of the... Um, of the Azurav's, uh farm. I forgot the name of the farm. But um, he would learn a lot of the Azharavah's farm. He would learn many of the farm. But either way, it, he, um, my, he asked my grandfather, he says, what's pshat you learning? This is Hasidus. He says, this Hasidus." He says, this is all Musa. It's all Musa. Same Talmud was by the Azharavah, and he sees he has Ali Shur on his table. He says, what's pshat you learning, Musa? Is this Moses or Hasidus? Right? So it, it's, what, what was the site of everything that he taught? What he, what, everything he taught about was, was connecting with who we are. Who are you? And I think that both Hasidus and, 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 and musser deal with the same thing. My grandfather's, you know, the whole shar Shlishi uh, is talking about das atzmeinu, Knowing who we are. He would say many, many times, he said this in a very derogatory way, so please be mulch on me. He said, I see Rabba, Rabbonim, they have a frock, they have a hat, they have big beards, they don't know who they are. He says, I see by how they walk in the street, they don't know who they are. They're looking, they're looking all around. They don't, look, they, they don't know who they are. Someone who knows who they are is, is, is an internal person, It's an internal world. They don't need to look out. Um, it's interesting, my grandfather, when we, we lived all the Bahram, all the American Bahram, which was me, my brothers, my two older brothers, my cousins, we all camped out by my grandfather, Benizmana. So uh, we had one room, which is a small room, maybe you know, the size of a room, and we all packed in there, six of us, seven of us, we all, of course we'd close the, the trisim, and we'd go to sleep at night, late at night, And In the morning, we wouldn't wake up get You didn't wake us up, right? You didn't wake us up. For sure. You wake up nine o'clock. Then you go across the street to the to the to, to Zupnik, right? And we go to. And why didn't you wake us up? It says. Says the It's the middle of the night. I should wake you up. The thing was like this: if you didn't ask him to wake you up, he wouldn't wake you up. It's not. He's not. People think like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be mechanak you, I'm going to show you, wake up. No, you're not in my house, you're not going to oversleep. You know, gratis, an interesting thing. I used to send out a weekly Dvar Torah when I was a Bakr. I used to send out, and I was in Memphis, and I did a whole, I would send out a Dvar Torah every week. So, but there was a Tkufa that I was in, Ertisrael and I would send it out from the dial-up of my, of my grandfather's telephone. So I would have to get online, on the internet, in the old, you know, right, and I would have to get online. So punk that, that Kufa, they were going around getting Rabbanim to sign against the internet. My grandfather's name was not on there. So I asked him, I said, I understand, why, why aren't you on there? He says, what do you mean? He says, you go on the internet in my house. He says, how can I sign against something that I, that's happening in my house? So I was explaining to him, I was explaining to him what I was doing, you know, that I was sending it, but he wasn't, he wasn't going to, you know, preach to others what he wasn't, uh, what he at least didn't feel that, uh, that he was being Mekayim. But he always pushed that you have to know your personal tafkid. What is your tafkid in the world? Um, I remember this very clearly. I'm not going to mention names, especially if this thing goes online. But I remember that a family member came over and from, you know, came over to to my grandfather on a on a visit, and my grandfather asked how how the children doing. Has you know, said and how's this child doing? And they said ah, he's a robot. That's what they said about the child. Okay. When when that person left, my grandfather got furious. Furious. And I was there to see it. So he says, he said, he says a robot? He says, this child has my koichas. And that's what they call the child, a robot? Right? I'll tell you, when, the, next, the next thing I want to talk about is Chinuch. He spoke about Chinuch, who's an unbelievable I just want I want you to know that I asked him myself, I asked him on many different occasions, different stories that happened, things that I was involved with, <laughs> I asked him, you know, it's a crazy generation. We're involved. We have, we have such a crazy world that we're living in. How can we guarantee that our children turn out normal? Oh, once upon a time, you just limit your children somewhat. Today we can't limit, right? The kids have smartphones and the kids have all these different devices. What, how do you protect your children? See, he said it used to be that you could be mechanic with an iron fist. He said that today there's only one tool that you have for chinuch, and that's love the only thing that you have in Chinuch today is love. And if you love your children and you give them more love and more love and more love, that's the only weapon you have with your children. To guarantee a good Chinuch of your kids. Um, it's funny because, you know, people aren't so intelligent. People sometimes ask ridiculously stupid questions. So, my grandfather, as many, as my, my father, as many of you know, is a, is a classic balabas. Right, but he's not. He's a real Eved Hashem. He's a very unique person. But if you don't know him, he looks like just a uh, palabas, whatever. Rav is a Choshev a and he just, uh, you know, for some reason, you know, didn't work out with his son becoming a Rav as well. So someone once came over to my to my father, and said, "Was your father Matzliach in your chinuch?" So. So my father said, I don't know, it's a good question. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. So my, my father was actually just coming from, he just arrived to Eretz Yisrael and he was waiting to pick up my grandfather from the shmooz that he was giving in, in one of the yeshivas. So my grandfather came to the car. Shalom and He said, look, I was waiting here to, uh, to pick you up and someone came over to me and asked me this question. Let me hear what you have to say. And he asked my grandfather, so my grandfather thinks about it. My grandfather, by the way He was not a vending machine You didn't put in a quarter And get, and get a, a soda machine Like get your answer right away You think about it I asked him hundreds and maybe thousands of questions Over the years that I lived in his house And it didn't go like that It wasn't a, it wasn't a you know, quick, uh, quick response You know, I'd ask him a question And I'm like sitting there No, just come back next week and you'd get an answer that was fully baked. It was fully thought through from all the different sides, understanding every angle. It wasn't just a, a, a you know, just, oh, you asked a question, let me give you a quick answer. So my grandfather thought about it. And he says to him, yes. About an hour or two later, he tells him, yes, I was successful in Yerchenuch. Because, and I'll, I'll, I, I, I don't, your grandfather didn't elaborate. But I, from understanding what my grandfather writes and from understanding what my grandfather was and who my father is, you see, every person has different kaichas and nefesh. You think of, uh, you think of uh, Yaakov with his children, right? You think of Yaakov, uh, uh, sorry, Yitzchak with his children. Yitzchak had Yaakov and he had Asaf. right? What, what did Yitzchak find in Esav? I to heard a schmutz from my grandfather. What do you find in Esav? Yeah, okay, but come on. He loved him so much. The guy was an axe murderer. What did he find in him that he that he, that he loved? He saw the potential in him. He saw that he saw the greatness he could become. Right? It didn't make it didn't make Yitzchok love him less. He saw what he was what he was capable of. My grandfather is able to look at a child and tell you it's and I know he said a lot of things about many of the family members. There's a little baby. You see a little, you go to the baby, to the hospital, you see the baby, and he's like, oh, so cute, right? He, he saw kaichas and nefesh And he would say it. I, I can tell you some things later. But uh, he said unbelievable things. about, And, and he was pretty accurate, the most. He knew my father. And he knew my father is not going to be a mashgiach. My father is not going to be a rosh hashiva. But you know he could be. He could be a Machanach. He could be an Erlich habalabas, right? He made out of my father the greatest person he could become. And when my, grand- when my father was finishing yeshiva age, he wanted to go to the army. My grandfather said, you can go to the army. And it was unheard of. What Rav sends his son to the army? He gave him a few klalim of things he needed to do. That these are Yehorik Val in the army. That was it. My father ended up getting his, rabbi, his, his smicha in the army. And, and uh, becoming a rebbe in the army. But means, yeah, you, being a good mechanach doesn't mean that you print out your children all the same. That they become a copy of you. That's not necessarily chinuch. Right? Chinuch means that you make the absolute greatest of your child. Of the keiches that they have. Don't try to make them into who you are and don't try to make them into what your neighbor is. Right? I think it's a very big when we talk about Chinuch. Um, He also, a very interesting thing is he never let anybody carry his tefillin for him. I'd walk, an amazing thing, just just so you understand, talk about Chinuch. I learned, when I came to Hetzal, I was 15 years old. I decided on my own that I was coming to Hetzal. And... um, I learned in an Israeli yeshiva. I would say it was the, it was the Harvard or the Yale of Israeli yeshiva ktanas, right? Which is the Mesifta years. And I came in, I because she knew how had to read a Gemara. Like I remember there were times I would turn around and I would see these young whippersnappers, 12 year old, 13 year old boys in the first shear, and they're reading Gemaras like the New York Times, they're reading it through, you know, next blot next lot, and the finishing lot, and I, I was cracking my teeth, just reading the words, and I would go to the Oran Kodesh at night, and I would cry in my eyes out, Hashem, I want to learn, I want to learn. My grandfather knew what, what, what challenges I was facing, and one morning, they wake me up in the dorm, the regular wake up, say, your grandfather's here. Grandfather's here, what's he doing here for Shachras? He had his own places down in Shachras, by Prushim, by he, had, he had places to go, right? Mm-hmm. I come upstairs, and he's sitting right next to my seat with his filling on, and he's already davening. So, what's going on? Okay. After davening, I help my, my grandfather, I help take him, I walk him back home. Next day, the same thing. And soon I realized, he came to encourage me. He came because he knew that it would be important to me, it would be a chashev thing for me, that he was there. Now I don't know if it was my brother maybe, my brother saw that I was, I was struggling then in yeshiva, and he, told, he may have told him something. I don't know what it was, but either way, he came. And it had an unbelievable influence on me. The... About, about not about not carrying, carrying his tefillin, he always said that the tefillin is the orin, and the orin is noises noisov. And he said, I'm not carrying my tefillin. My tefillin are carrying me. And so he didn't let anybody. He was old. He was, he was in his 80s. I couldn't carry you to hold his, his tefillin like, you know. He wouldn't let anybody. Also, he didn't let anybody do his jobs in the house. Preparing the Shabbos candles, that was his job. Setting the Shabbos table—that was his job. I try to help him. No, nope. nobody can help. Right? It was—it was also something in his in the the avodah he talks about of being independent. You know, the midas Adin versus midas achesed. Right? Is to take full of Christ for your own self. You know, he would walk up the steps. You know, the steps from in Givat Shaul. Right? He wouldn't hold on to the banister. He wouldn't hold on to. He doesn't want to be reliant on other things. He wanted to be fully, fully accountable for everything. He had his hand over it in case he'd fall. He'd be able to hold on to it. He didn't want to be reliant on things. All right. The last part I want to talk about is is um, kiruv. Kiruv. My grandfather spoke about kiruv. My grandfather did kiruv. My grandfather encouraged people to do kiruv. When my grandfather, <coughs> my, gran- my grandfather has a sefer called Eulam And Eulam is dedicated to all of the lectures he gave during the Six-Day War. It was the biggest Eurus, right after the Six-Day War, there was the biggest Eurus of Truva in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, they asked him to speak in many different kibbutzim around Eretz Yisrael. And he went and he spoke in all these kibbutzim. Never heard he gave, he gave a, a whole series of lectures and then they never called him back again. One time he was sitting with the Ger on some, some uh, panel or something, and they were talking, they were, they were schmoozing, and he says, "Do you know this and this uh, kibbutz?" He said, "Yeah, I, I spoke there many years ago, it was probably a dozen years earlier." He says, and "They never called me back. I came, I gave a whole series of lectures, and then I never heard of, heard from them again." The Getter told him, I want you to know, every single person became from. Every single person in entire kibbutz. And you can find those shmuzin that he gave in that sefer, Orlem Yedidus. Very fundamental, amazing, amazing material. But um, he also flew during the Yom War. He flew, to, uh, he flew to Egypt. He has it in a sefer in the second chalik. It's just an amazing, amazing idea. Uh, he talks about how you have to take small steps in your avoda. Take big steps, right? The Eitzaher will knock you down. So he brings a marshal He says after the Yom, K- during the Yom Kippur war, um, he was flying. He was asked to fly on a military transport to Egypt to go speak to a group of uh, of, uh, of of officers and and the commanders. So. On the flight, he's looking out the window and he sees that they're flying like right above, right above the the ground. They weren't flying very high. So he asked, is there anything wrong with the engines? And it's in the safety, you can find it. I don't remember the exact page, but uh, maybe Kufman, Tesla, Felix base. But either way, so he, they say, um, they say, no, 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 no. We have to fly below the radar. There are radars still around. We have to fly beneath the radar so that they don't shoot down our plane. So he uh, so he said the radar is the Yetzirah. He says the plane is your Avoida. You have to constantly fly below the radar. Right? You fly below the radar. So what what the question people always ask, okay, so you fly below the radar once with your Avoida, you fly below the radar twice, you know, eventually you're above the radar. The pshat is that, no, that's not real avodah. Real avodah is that when you accept something on yourself below the radar, and then it becomes part of who you are. It's not just another thing that you're adding on top of it. It becomes the essence of who you are. Sumaila, so it's like Vayakam's De'afrein, right? Avram's field, it was elevated to him. It became, it was elevated. Now you take another thing, and that you keep on elevating the, 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 um, the platform, with which you, uh, you're on. My grandfather used to speak in the Mir yeshiva every other week, Tuesday night. And before, between Purim and Pesach, every year, he'd give the same exact rasha, the same shmooze. And his shmooze was Ich I don't understand what's going on over here. He says, There are younger light here, sitting in the Mir, and they're sitting, and they're sitting. And they're sitting. He says, Claudius Yisrael needs you. Go out. Go do Kiruv. What are you sitting here in, 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 in the mirror and learning? Go. Claudius Yisrael needs you to go. And when I, when I got my smicha and was leaving the Jerusalem kol by Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz, my grandfather came to the, the Mesibis prayer. And um, he, he said over there, I want you to know that whoever goes out to do kirov, you are a shoutif with mashiach. He says the only thing that's remaining for Mashiach to come is for Klael Yisrael to return to Hashem. He says, You go out and do Kirov, you're a with Mashiach. And he felt that it was the he was the it was the of our generation for every single person who can to go out. He did it with Levla Achim. he wrote a whole kuntras for Levla Achim. To encourage the Avrachim to go at night and to go to go do Kiruv, he um, wherever he went, he spoke about the achrais. He he, did it, he yelled about it at Lake in Lakewood as well. He didn't. He, of course, he wants Avrachim to sit and learn. Of course, we want to. That's the Torah. That's, that's that's the essence of who we are. But we have an achrais. He brought, of course, we know from Moshe that that Moshe says just like you give my of your money, you have to give my of your time. It's an achrais, it's it's an obligation. It's an obligation we have to go out and do kiruv. So, I hope that Be'ezo Hashem, you know, I try as much as possible in everything I teach to include my grandfather's Torah because everything, there's no Torah out there that's not palatable for every Yid. They have to have the right way to present it. Right? The kitzayis is just as palatable for a non from as a Gemara, as understanding a, a pasuk in, in, in Tehillim, a pasuk in the Chumash, right? A Mishnah, everything is applicable. So, what do we teach? What are we What are we supposed to teach? We're supposed to teach what we're passionate about. I, you know, we have the average rabbi who's well above average, but when he came, we were talking about what he's what he wants to teach. What he, he said, you know, I, what should I teach? He said, teach what you're passionate about. He said, I'm very passionate about Gemara. So he learns with his guy's Gemara. And you know what's happened? It's a result. What's happened as a result. This is guy's learn Gemara. I was sitting. Who's with me? I don't remember who's with me at this at this center. And he was sitting in the other in the other room, learning Gemara with his. And the mamash going through an entire sugya. You think, guys? The guy's not Shurma Shabbos. How can he do? It? How can he, How can he help cope with a suya? It's, it, you, what you're doing is you're using the Torah as a vessel to connect people with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? We don't have any ability. I never made any person from. No person has ever become from through me. It's the Torah. The Torah. And that's our Christ. Our Christ is to, to bring that light. To bring the light of the Torah to Klai Yisrael so that they can be inspired from that light. HaKadosh Baruch should be set and Bezher Hashem will have Meshiach to the kingdom from here, if Amen.